Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Neighborhood Podcast. I am one of the co-hosts here, Kevin Valentin. And I am also one of the co-hosts. I go by the name of Kyle Dabro. Kevin, what's good, man? Chilling, man. Chilling, man. Been a long, long day. A busy, busy day in the sports world. But first and foremost, I wanted to just clarify something. I know last episode, I kind of introduced the idea of having maybe a guest. And I didn't really have a lot of specifications in terms of when the guest would be on and how to get on the podcast. So I'm just going to break it down just quickly and make it clear and concise. Kyle and I want to have a guest two weeks from today. Today is the 11th of March. And we want to have a guest on the 25th of March. Kyle and I would decide who will be on the podcast based off of the direction I'm going to give shortly on the 23rd. We're going to kind of pick and randomize a almost like an order through the app that we have. And we're going to just pretty much pick a person at random. And that person will be featured on the episode that Thursday. So here's what you need to do to get on the episode. First and foremost, you got to You got to You got to subscribe to the channel. And if you already are, send us a screenshot just to show that you are. And we're going to need you to repost our content. So whether that's the full video that we normally post, which is anywhere from 45 to an hour and a half of an episode, kind of just repost it on your story, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Make sure you tag one of us or you can just make sure that you kind of, you know, repost one of our smaller videos. If you, if you really want to, you know, you don't have to really repost anything huge. I know that uh, sometimes people just for whatever reason, they just repost specific videos. Do whichever one you want, just make sure you tag us both in it. Put it in your story. Put it somewhere we can see it. Um, send us a direct message, drop a comment under the video, whichever way you guys want to do it. We just need to be able to tally who is it, who is that, you know, that wants to be a part of this because just because you subscribe doesn't mean we can see who subscribed. Uh, Kyle and I recently realized that there are some private, uh, accounts on YouTube. So we can only see certain names up to a certain amount of, uh, mm-hmm. a certain amount of people. So again, subscribe and like the channel. And then, you know, kind of just uh, repost us somewhere on any platform or social media. Make sure you tag us. And then again, the 23rd, we'll decide on our episode live. And then on the 25th, it's going to be the episode you'd be featured. But other than that, you know, good luck to everybody. We look forward to having whoever wants to be on. We really appreciate everybody's support. And we're at 113 subscribers as of earlier this evening. So we just want to say thank you. And let's get right into this episode. Kyle, we got a lot to talk about, Brody. What you got for me, man? Yes, we do. I mean, we are in the thick of it of NFL free agency at this point, and we've seen some really big moves. Really seen a lot of teams that are really focused on getting under the cap this year. The cap has been released for this year, and a lot of people were expecting it to be somewhere around about $185 million 
for this year actually is a little bit lower. It's around 182, I believe it's 182 and a half million dollars. So you're going to see a lot more teams try to work their way, cut some space to get under that cap. And with that said, though, it does leave a huge market of free agents available for this offseason. We'll start with two that were kind of a surprise today. So we had the Chiefs release starting tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. These guys have been on the team for over five years. Mitchell Schwartz, he signed a five-year deal back in 2016 with Eric Fisher. He's been on the Chiefs for almost a decade, but the Chiefs are deciding to move on from them. And more than likely, they're probably going to fill in those positions either through the draft or maybe picking somebody up in the offseason through free agency. So, Kev, let me just get your initial reaction to the the move of Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz being released. And what do you think that the impact of their releases is going to mean for the Kansas City Chiefs moving on into this next season? So first, I want to clarify, both of those respective tackles just had surgery this offseason. Schwartz had back surgery. Fisher tore his Achilles in the, in the AFC Championship. So we're talking two veteran offensive tackles that need to be as dynamic and mobile as possible are having major, major surgeries that are likely going to set them back to either miss next season or miss a large portion of next season. I would assume Eric is probably going to miss the whole season because he tore his Achilles. And that recovery is anywhere from eight to 12 months. Uh, Schwartz had back surgery this past February. I don't exactly know uh, how long the recovery time is for that, but I mean, it, it seemed to be a pretty serious injury and they are up in their thirties. So a lot of people are panicking. A lot of people are kind of confused as to why they would do that. Both of them were set to make a decent amount of money this season. I know, uh, what was it? Schwartz was scheduled to make, what, $12 million this season? Well, Fisher, when he got released, his the the Chiefs got relieved of $12 million. So that was from Fisher. and That was just Fisher. And then with Schwartz, I believe the Chiefs saved $6.5 million against their cap. With his release, so we're talking over eighteen million dollars saved in in a, in a predicament where the Chiefs are already going to be well over the luxury tax because of the contracts and the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Those three players alone pretty much make up the entire roster in terms of payroll. So the Chiefs had to find a way to save money to get under the cap, and then you went and cut two players that were already injured that were going to be due up a pretty decent amount of money. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Fisher, the former first overall pick, but. It, it, to me, it was a business decision. Everybody's panicking. Everybody's worried. I mean, yes, if you're a Chiefs fan, I'm, I'm shitting my pants because you not only lose your two tackles, but you lose your senator free agency as well. If I'm not mistaken, he's also available and on the market too. So the Chiefs lost over 60% of their protection for Patrick Mahomes. And his last outing was probably one of the worst in his career in terms of running for his life. He had no time to throw. Tampa Bay brought it to him. And they made it mean dirt most of the night. So, I mean, if you're talking from a... Hey, a Chiefs fan perspective, I'm scared. As an NFL fan, though, this is this is not a shocking move. I mean, both tackles, like I said, injuries coming off to save money. And Kansas City, I don't know their exact cap situation, but I can't imagine that it's anything good. So this just seemed like it made the most sense for them to either rebuild in the draft or maybe sign somebody younger. Yeah, when I look at this move, I think this move just had – I think this was just a move just that made the most sense for the Chiefs moving forward simply because – these guys are in their 30s. Granted, these guys have been on the team for 
at least the past five years with Schwartz, in his case, with Fisher, he's been on the team for almost a decade. But coming off of major injuries, like you said, with Fisher tearing his Achilles in the AFC Championship game, I believe Schwartz had been out since November. He was dealing with a back issue. Mm-hmm. Now, they are expecting him to be ready for training camp. So there will be a market available for him. And I imagine he will be playing this season. But just looking at the Chiefs, when you lose two offensive stalwarts on the offensive line like that, it's going to be tough to replace that. And just looking at where I think they're going to go with this offseason, I think they're definitely going to be focused on drafting some offensive tackles, maybe even a guard and a center as well, just to add some depth to the offensive line. But I think these moves that KC made in regards to Fisher and Mr. Schwartz, I think they made the most sense and it saves them 18 and a half million against the cap going into this season. Now, with that said, how does this affect the chiefs moving forward into the next season? So I think the chiefs are going to go through some growing pains this season because I think Mahomes is going to struggle due to the lack of protection that he's going to get from his offensive line with Schwartz Fisher gone and potentially Austin Ryder, their starting center hitting the free agent market. And he's more than likely on the way out. The offensive line is going to be a lot weaker than it was this past season. And I'm pretty sure that at this point, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Mahomes are going to have some conversations about fine tuning certain aspects of this offense, because I think they're going to have to get the ball out a lot more quickly than they have in years past. Just because when you look at the offensive system that the Chiefs run, a lot of these routes that they run with Kelsey, McCole Hardman, and Tyreek Hill, they do take time. And what I think you're probably going to see is a lot more short and intermediate routes to get that ball out quicker, because I think think they know that the offensive line is going to be a point of contention this year. And I think the offensive line is going to have their – issues now I think Mahomes can overcome some of that but we saw him really struggle in the Super Bowl when it counted simply because the offensive line they couldn't even protect against a four-man pass rush now imagine if they go up against opposing defenses where they're bringing four defensive linemen and they're bringing a blitz on top of that with maybe two or three linebackers I mean that's going to be a very difficult situation that Casey's going to have to contend with and I think they have the requisite pieces to get the ball out to these really good receivers and Tyreek Hill, McCall Hardman, Travis Kelsey, and then utilizing Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of the backfield. But they're only as good as the opportunities they're given. And it all starts up front with the offensive line and in the trenches. So I think with the chiefs next year, I think they'll manage to win the AFC West with relative ease, but I don't think that they're a lock to go to the Super Bowl next year. I think the issues that the Chiefs have on the offensive line, they are real. And I think it's going to be a focal point to why I think the Chiefs may struggle a little bit more next year than I think most people are expecting at this current moment in time. No, I I really couldn't agree more. I think that Kansas City, I don't know if they win it easily. The development of Justin Herbert, we we don't know what's going to happen in San Diego. We really, uh, should I say LA, excuse me, force of habit. Um, The Raiders found ways to, to be competitive in some point of the season. And, you know, some of these teams actually have pretty decent pass rushes, a.k.a. Joey Bosa out in L.A. And then obviously you have the pass rush of Vaughn Miller and the the Denver Broncos coming back next season. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult depending on Kansas City's full uh, full schedule. So 
Pat, that's like you said, it, they live and die by Pat. They, they can't play without him. If he does bad, they don't do well. Like most teams because of the quarterback situation, it just, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's so much more vital for the chiefs to make sure that he's up and upright and safe, especially because of all the money they've invested on him. So like you said, I think that Kansas city is really, really, really going to continue to restructure contracts and make sure that they have somewhat of a cap relief to be able to sign somebody because if you're drafting a brand new offensive line, the odds of that working are slim to none. So I don't think Kansas City is going to have the greatest season. I don't think they're going to have a bad one. I'd probably predict them to maybe go 11 and five, uh, but winning the division as well. But like you said, when you get into the playoffs, when you play competitive teams like a Buffalo, like an Indianapolis, like a Pittsburgh, a Cleveland, a Baltimore, you're going to start to see that they're going to understand the weaknesses are on the tackles and inside the gaps. So if they find ways to blitz package and make sure that they keep Pat Mahomes uncomfortable, it's going to be a nightmare. So we're going to have to really see what uh, what goes forward with Kansas City this offseason. I think the one thing that we kind of have to keep in mind in is that I think that this team is kind of similar to Buffalo in this sense of they are really one-dimensional offensively because they only depend on their quarterback to really carry them to where they need to get to offensively. Unfortunately, And I really want to see Kansas City run the ball more with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I thought that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that Super Bowl against the Bucs, I thought he was okay. He was getting decent touches where he was averaging probably close to seven, eight yards a carry. They just didn't stick with the run. And I really do think that going into this season that they're going to have to give the defense a respectable run game with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he's really due for – I could see him maybe getting close to – 800, 900 yards rushing if they actually decide to run the ball with him. It's the problem is though, is that the chiefs solely rely on Patrick Mahomes 75% of the time. And if that's the case, defenses can scheme against that fairly easily. You saw that with the bucks in the super bowl, all they did was have, they had four pass rushers and they dropped seven back in coverage. So I think, I think the chiefs are going to be probably around 12 and four next year. I don't, I'm not going to go as low as you saying that they're going to go 11 and five, but probably like 12 and four, maybe 13 and three at the most, but it really starts up at front. It really starts all up front with these offensive line moves that they make this off season. And if they don't sure up this offensive line, then I don't think the run game is going to be as effective as I would like it to be. And it's going to put a lot more pressure on Mahomes. And you may see a lot more times where Mahomes is just running around in the backfield for his life to evade pass rushers like he did in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they get these issues squared away with, but I think they're going to go through some growing pains. That is for sure. That's how I see it. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a complicated off season because they have to figure out a lot of things. Like I said, offensive line, excluding the offensive line, Sammy Watkins is a free agent too. Tyron Matthews contracts coming to an end as well. So it's a matter of, are you really going to focus on just solely the offensive line? Are you going to be able to bring back other, other free agents? There's a lot of methods back here that we're just kind of waiting on. And we got to really figure out what's going to happen. And we, and the defense, the defense gave up 31 in the Super Bowl against albeit the bucks and the bucks had had a very good offense, but that defense can be had too. There, I think Casey's defense is 
okay, but they can't be had. So they may have to share some things on the defensive side of the ball as well. Gotcha. Yeah, no, agreed. But I mean, with, with us being so engulfed in free agency, we saw a lot of moves being made. The, the, the massacre that was told to Pat McAfee last week has indeed happened. We're talking players being cut, contracts being restructured. We're talking just exponential amount of moves being made all around the league. And we had discussed prior to the episode, there's so many players that are available. We're going to give our top five best available free agents in our opinions. That's one thing we need to clarify. Everything we talk about on this show is opinionated. We have our beliefs in which where we want people to go, where we think players are going to go, and where people end up going are all three very different categories. So to those of you that are very, you know, being very specific, we just want to let you guys know we understand that everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but we're not always going to get everything right. So we just want to get into these five picks. Kyle, who do you got and where do you got them going? All right, so I'm going to go from one to five. So for number one, I have Shaq Barrett. Number two, maybe a surprise to some, I have Joe Tooney. Number three, I have Kenny Galladay. Number four, I have Trent Williams. And number five, I have have Hassan Reddick. So I'll start with Shaq Barrett since he's number one. Look, Shaq Barrett is the premier pass rusher in this free agency class this year. In the past two se- in the past two seasons, he's averaging around 14 sacks a game, or fe- 14 sacks a season, and he did a lot of damage in the games that mattered for the Bucks this past season, especially in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Now, with that said, he is going to demand a pretty solid price tag, probably somewhere in between the range of 15 to 20 million dollars a year. The team that I want to see land Barrett is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I want to see the Jaguars go after him simply because the Jags have no pass rush whatsoever. They were tied for last for sacks per game as a team throughout the entire NFL last year. They have the cap space to do it. If I remember right, they have around $75 million in cap space this year. So they have more than enough money to spend somewhere in between 15 to $20 million a year on Shaq Barrett. I think with Trevor Lawrence coming into the fold next year, that's who we assume that the Jags are going to draft in the number one pick next year or in the draft that's upcoming. I think you add Lawrence and then you add Barrett to the team. I think it brings in some solid excitement for the Jacksonville Jaguars next year. And I would like to see Barrett on the Jags just because they need a pass rush. They have the cap space to do it. And I think you, you paired the idea of Barrett and Trevor Lawrence coming into the team. The team actually has some solid players to build around moving forward for the next couple of years with number two, Like I mentioned, I mentioned Joe Tooney. So the place that I want to see him go to is Seattle. The reason why is because it addresses the situation with the offensive line that Russell Wilson has been consistently complaining about for the past couple of weeks now. They do have the cap space to do it. If I remember the cap numbers right, I'm just going to look them up real quick. Seattle has about $21 million in cap space currently. Now, I imagine within the next couple of weeks or so, that they're probably going to restructure some contracts to free up some more cap space for this upcoming season. But I would love to see Joe Tooney on the Seattle Seahawks, just because he's one of the top, he's one of the top regarded guards across the game right now. Now, granted, he is going to be a little bit more expensive just because he is at the top of his position, but I think it is well worth Seattle to go after him simply because I think his pass rush skills are superb. It will definitely open up some run lanes for whoever's going to be running the ball for Seattle next year. And I don't think 
Russell Wilson would have to worry about constantly getting pressured, having Joe Tooney on the offensive line to protect him. So I have Joe Tooney at number two. Number three, I got Kenny Galladay, like I mentioned. The team that I want to see him go to is the New England Patriots. And this is where the bias is going to come out. If you're New England, you've got over $70 million in cap space. You've got a lot of room here. And look, the issues that the Patriots have had at the wide receiver position are glaring and they need to be addressed. You've got Julian Edelman. He's getting into his mid-30s right now. He's been dealing with a bunch of injuries the last couple of years. And I think adding Kenny Galladay into the mix would be a huge upgrade at the wide receiver position the wide receiver position for the Patriots. Just because they just don't have receivers that can separate right now. And then you have a big solid target in Kenny Galladay to throw to. I think that'll be a great pickup for the Patriots. The only thing with Kenny Galladay is that he do he does have an injury history. So that may be a red flag for some teams willing to pick him up. But I think because of the injury history that he's had the last couple of years, I think it actually lowers his value a little bit. And I think if the Patriots can maybe find him somewhere around in the 10 to $15 million a year range, I think they might go after him. I don't know if they'll end up picking him up, but that's one of the teams that I want to see land Kenny Galladay. Number four, I've got Trent Williams. He's one of the best offensive tackles in the game. Now, granted, he is 33, so he is getting a little bit older, but he is one of the most regarded tackles in the game. I think I, I, I think the team that's probably going to land him is going to be the 49ers. I think just having him guarding uh, Jimmy G moving forward, I think is probably going to be the best option for him, but he is going to be pricey. And I think the 49ers, they're going to have to adjust some contracts to get the cap number a little bit higher to adjust to at least um, worry about, to figure out Trent Williams' contract because he's probably going to make somewhere around $15 million a year when he gets his contract. So I could definitely see that moving forward with the 49ers, but I think he ends up with the 49ers. And then with Hassan Reddick, look, Hassan Reddick is one of the up-and-coming outside linebackers at his position. He had 12 and a half sacks with the Cardinals last year. Had, if I remember right, had like five and a half or six games. Uh, against five and a half the to Giants. Six, yeah, five and a half to six sacks against the Giants this past season. So he is definitely a solid pass rusher. And I, I mentioned with Shaq Barrett that the Jacksonville Jaguars had a terrible pass rush last year. I'm going to go with a different team that had a pretty anemic pass rush as well. And I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders were ranked right ahead of Jacksonville last year. They were the 30th ranked team as far as sacks per games go last season. And look, Vegas does have the cap space here. They've got $33 million in cap space right here. And I think when you look at Hassan Reddick, he could be in the range of somewhere between maybe 10 to 12 million, maybe 10 to 15 million a year with his contract coming up. So I could definitely see Vegas kind of going into the piggy bank here and going after Hassan Reddick. And I think, look, he's a solid outside linebacker. Uh, he's a solid outside linebacker player. I think if Vegas wants to improve their defense in any way, shape, or form, that they go after Hassan Reddick and make the move for him. So, but those are my top five free agents, and that's where I have them going. Kev, now that my picks are out of the way, who do you have as your top five free agents and where All you right. see them going? So, I got two of your five. I also agree Shaq Barrett's going to be number one on my list. 
I also have Trey Hendrickson from the Saints as number two. I have Kenny Galladay at number three. I have Jameis Winston at number four. And then I kind of have a two-point, two-headed monster here between Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry being available, the top two tight ends available on the market. We do know a lot of playoff teams did kind of need that, that final little bit of a push in terms of the tight end production game. So first and foremost, I want to start with Shaq Barrett. You pretty much touched on every aspect of it as it is. I'm just going to reiterate uh, Jacksonville is the perfect fit for him because they have the most money to shell out. Tampa Bay has paid a decent amount already to their current players and Chris Godwin getting tagged. And then obviously Levante David getting his deal. So I don't know how much money they can restructure in terms of making sure that he's a top paid pass rusher available. Tom Brady is renegotiating his deal. Mike Evans is renegotiating his deal as well. But at the same time, you do have to realize that they have some other needs that they need to address as well in terms of their cornerback depth. We know that they need to resign some players there as well as Rob Gronkowski's contract has expired and Ndamukong Sue's contract has expired too. We don't know if they want to keep that defensive line pretty much relatively together. And Devin White's contract is going to be coming up next season. So they do need to leave some kind of room to be able to re-sign their core linebackers. So I think Shaq is for sure gone. Jacksonville just makes the most sense. So I'm not really going to continue there. Trey Hendrickson, another player, just like Shaq Barrett, who has been productive over the last few couple of years. Last season, he had over 12 sacks in, in, in New Orleans. We do know that New Orleans is over $50 million in the cap. So he is for sure going to leave and seek a payout. I think the best fit for him would be the Indianapolis Colts. Here's where my bias comes in. We already have DeForest Buckner. Uh, Justin Houston's on the free agent market. We have Danico Autry on the market. We are worried about uh, re-signing Darius Leonard and some of our offensive linemen to some key big deals. I think that Chris Ballard is going to focus on making sure that the pass rush position is filled to the fullest. Uh, we have about $40 million in cap space, if not a little bit more. So I think that Trey is going to kind of fit that perfect fit, that perfect mold to go alongside um, DeForest Buckner and make our pass rush and our defense that much better. So then sliding into Kenny Galladay, I know that this team doesn't have a lot of space, but I know that they will find a way to get it done, in my opinion. I think that the New York Giants should go after Kenny Galladay. Listen, we know that Daniel Jones has been put in a very rough situation. There are games where Daniel Jones just doesn't look like he knows how to throw the ball. But at the same time, the Giants offensive line, as well as their offensive weapons, have been lackluster to say the least. Saquon Barkley going out with an ACL injury last season really hindered their rush game. I mean, their best receiver last year was, oh my God, what's his Golden Tate was just released, but it was, oh my was God. That, did I, I Darius Slayton? Yes, Darius Slayton. And he, I think he had like, what was it, five touchdowns this season? Three of them came in one game. So, I mean, within the first two or three weeks. They need some more depth on the offensive end. Saquon will probably come back more along the lines of the middle ladder of the season, maybe the, the, the game three or game four, maybe after the first quarter. It really depends on how the rehab is going based off of what I've been seeing video-wise. Him and Odell have been working out tirelessly every single day during the season and this offseason thus far. So I think that the Giants, with paired with Daniel Jones being in year three, Kenny Galladay coming in, obviously the injuries are going to be a, a worrisome topic at best. So I think that that does hinder his actual price tag. But uh, if the Giants can find a way to work him in, I think that that gives Daniel Jones a big target to really to, to, to look at and make sure that he can get plays downfield. Uh, sliding into my next pick, Jameis Winston is probably the best available quarterback in this market. Um, obviously, most people would say the best fit for him would be in New Orleans because of Drew Brees' in indecisiveness of whether he's coming back or not. However, like I had stated, them being so far over the cap, 
I don't know if Jameis is going to want to sign another small deal. Not that Jameis did a lot, but when Jameis did come into the to the game, he did play very well. And we all know that Jameis is still relatively young, so he might seek a two- or three-year deal to prove himself. Uh, where I see him going, it really depends, because Kyle and I were actually talking about this off-air. There are a lot of teams in the NFL right now, or should I say in the AFC, that have a quarterback of the future, uh, some of them being uh, in the later years of their contracts. Obviously, Pittsburgh with Ben being uh, in the last year of his deal. We don't know the situation that's going on in Houston coaching staff continues to say that Deshaun is staying, but we don't know Vegas. They said that they're backing Derek Carr. We don't know what John Gruden uh, Tua Tua is going to be staying in Miami, but there were the trade rumors for Deshaun Watson were in the rumors as well. The jets, obviously the jets are in a situation of either trading Sam Darnold, drafting a quarterback, trading up. So I don't necessarily know where Jameis is going to go. That isn't a backup role, but if I had to make a pick, I would probably say the Washington football team, uh, Alex Smith was released. They don't necessarily have a veteran quarterback on the roster other than Taylor Heineke. So I would, I would think that maybe he can go into that system. Um, with the Deshaun Watson situation continuing to kind of go in a circle, maybe the Chicago Bears, they've been looking for a solid quarterback for the last couple of years as well since Jake Cutler, maybe even earlier than that. So it's there's a couple of teams that I think, but I, like I said, the two teams I would probably assume would be the Washington football team and the Chicago Bears. And then sliding into my last free agent or free agents, because I kind of did a duo pick here, uh, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, both being of the age of 26 years old and the prime of their careers. We all know the production that Hunter Henry can produce, but the injuries have kind of held him back between his knees. So I think that his market does kind of take a little bit of a dive because of him being injury prone. Nevertheless, when healthy, one of the most dynamic playmaking tight ends in football and Jonu Smith, kind of a disciple of Delaney Walker out there in Tennessee, we saw that he was mainly used or utilized as a run blocking tight end. But over the last couple of years, he has shown that he can play stellar football. Um, some teams that I would think both of them, or should I say one of them would work in would be the new England Patriots. Like Kyle said, they are lackluster on the offensive side of the football. They need to address the quarterback position first. We don't know if they're resigning cam. We don't know if they're going to go after quarterback in free agency. We don't know if they're going to draft a quarterback, but if they can start building a team around, or if they can start building a team and then kind of insert a quarterback, both of these guys would be great options. If not them, I do know that there are some other teams out there that can use a tight end. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know that they're over the cap, but they can definitely use somebody. The Green Bay Packers, I know that they're inconsistent. Mercedes Lewis is getting up there in years. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, they did lose Greg Olson. But again, they need to focus on the offensive line issues. The list kind of goes on from there. But I mean, the market is going to be phenomenal for the both of them. And I think that they are both going to seek out a decent payday. So, I mean, those are my free agents and those are the locations I think they go. Yeah, just to kind of give you guys an idea of really how stacked this free agent class is this year. I'm just going to go over some of the names that I have here. you got Trent Williams, you got Kenny Galladay, Shaq Barrett, Aaron Jones, Yannick Ngakwe, Joe Tooney, Hassan Reddick, Hunter Henry, Bud Dupree, Curtis Samuel, Matt Judon, Trey Hendrickson, Carlos Dunlap, Malcolm Butler, Eric Fisher and Janoris Jenkins are just a few just to name off the top of my head. And then really Kevin and I were talking about this even before the episode. If you need a pass rusher this year, go get it in free agency this year, because there are just a bevy of solid to high end pass rushers in this free agency class this year. And look, I think you and I can both agree that Shaq Barrett is probably at the top of the list right now. Big time. But then you've got some really solid either 
one B or maybe even some second tier pass rushers in like Leonard Floyd and Gakwe. You got Carlos Dunlap. All those guys can be Davian Clowney is still there. Yeah. So these guys can be really productive wherever they end up going this off season. And it's kind of weird because Kevin and I were talking about this, like a lot of the quarterbacks that have been moved this off season have been moved via trade, which kind of leaves the free agent market for quarterbacks very sparse this year. Jameis is out there. Cam. We, we, we don't know if, you know, if the Chicago Bears may move off of Mitchell Trubisky, there's a lot of moving pieces. They didn't space. pick up the fifth year. He's a free agent. So there's a lot of movement, but not as much movement in the quarterback position compared to the, the pass rush spot just for free agents this year. The wide receiver position with Kenny Gall- with not Kenny Galladay, uh, Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson receiving franchise tags. They're off the board for free agents this year. So it really does kind of leave Kenny Galladay as the top wide receiver choice for this free agent class. But there are some other options to go out there. I believe John Brown, he was with the Buffalo Bills. He just got cut. So he is a free agent. So Hilton. yeah. And Sammy Watkins, there are definitely some, I would say probably some, some second tier receivers that these teams can go after, maybe get them on the cheap in this off season. If, that's what they desire, but it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks as we really start getting into free agency next week. We'll definitely see a lot more guys be getting signed for really long-term deals, you know, where we could see Shaq Barrett maybe get a four or five year contract where he's paid upwards of somewhere near $20 million. We could see someone like who, who knows you got even Matt Judon. Matt Judon's a free agent this offseason, so he could be somebody who could be looking for a payday. Is like, is, Are there any other guys that you could think of off the top of your head that could really demand a pretty solid market going into this offseason? Uh, I mean, just, just, just to continue this list, I mean, like, I, I actually, you know what, I'm not even going to get into it because I just can't believe this many people are available on this market. I mean – just because the, the NFL's salary cap has gone down so significant, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of prime players, players that are just very dynamic playmakers that are just available free on the market. Obviously, you got to sign them. But typically, like Kyle said, you don't see a lot of pass rushers in this, this, this magnitude. I mean, we have just so many prime pass rushers that are just – I can't even express how shocked I am. There's actually mm-hmm. a pretty solid cornerback market as well. Xavier Rhodes is out there. You know, hopefully the Colts can find a way to re-sign him. We have uh, Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin, uh, Richard Sherman, Patrick Peterson. So, I mean, obviously Patrick and Richard are getting up there in years, but nevertheless, there's still uh, Stephon Gilmore's on the trade block. So, I mean, there are still some good defenders out there that can, can contribute to playoff contending teams. So this free agency class is, is, has not disappointed thus far. And the negotiations for free agents don't start until I believe next week, correct? Yes. They're not they're not at liberty to actually start negotiating with the agents, let alone sign until next week. I believe it's like around the 17th to the 19th. It's like there's a window. And I believe I think team I think players can start negotiating or at least start contacting teams or vice versa on the 17th. And I think it can become official on the 19th, but don't quote me on that. I know there's a window and I believe it's it coming up. It's coming up. Yeah. It's coming up shortly. So, I mean, 
Pat McAfee did not lie in the source that he received. It has been an absolute massacre in terms of cuts, uh, trades, and everything under the sun in the NFL. So, I mean, this free agency is going to be a, a crazy one for the books. And me and Kyle look forward to providing you guys with every update we possibly can because it's going to be a busy offseason. And it's going to be a fun one to track. But other than that, outside of NFL news, uh, I mean, we do have another topic that we wanted to talk about today. Uh, today is the one-year anniversary of the NBA postponing its season with the uh, postponement of the Oklahoma City and Utah Jazz game last season where Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19. Um, Kyle, just to get your thoughts on this one, man, when, when this happened, when you saw the news kind of come up on your phone like the rest of us, what, what was your mindset? Where, where were you right there? I mean, I looked at my phone. It very had a very similar reaction to Mark Cuban, where it's just like, like, oh my God, like basically like the entire sports world just shut down like at that moment. Because if I remember back to this time last year, I remember COVID was starting to become a more well-known issue, but there wasn't a moment until this where it took it to that next level. To me, when this Jazz Thunder game got canceled, and then the NBA season subsequently got postponed until I think it was like four or five months later. This was the moment where I think really like our generation in particular really, really got behind like how serious like this COVID-19 situation was. And it wasn't just the NBA either. I mean, you had the NCAA men's and women's, not just the basketball tournaments canceled. You had all of the winter sports tournaments canceled the start of the MLB season was pushed back to July I don't think the NHL season restarted until like four months after I think they shut down their season I think the day after the NBA you got to remember the Olympics were supposed to take place last year in Tokyo they were pushed back to this summer and even this summer people were thinking that there was a off chance that the Tokyo Olympics could be not only postponed but canceled altogether it does look like that they're going to hold the Tokyo Olympics later this year. So we'll definitely see about that. And then the only league that wasn't really affected as much as some other leagues was probably the NFL because the NFL had just finished their season before these lockdowns and these seasons were ending, ended up being postponed, but the NFL had no preseason games this past season. And there were a lot of off season training activities that were canceled because all of these teams had to go remote or had to go virtual with their meetings because they wouldn't let they wouldn't allow anybody into the building to do their meetings, whether it was with their coaches or just meeting with other players. So it was to me, it really was a moment in time where it seemed like the world was slowly grinding to a halt. I mean, I'll take that. It really seemed like a time where everything grinded to a halt and it just it flipped the entire sports world upside down for at least a solid four to five months. Dude, uh, I'll, I'll never forget playing Call of Duty in my house, my parents' house. And I'm actually playing with my good friends. Uh, shout out to the boys, uh, Rick, Nick, AJ. And, and we're just playing. And when we all get the notification relatively at the same time, and it's just like the NBA season has been canceled. Uh, obviously, we all got the notification. Of the, the, the game was postponed. Rudy tested positive, And then everybody kind of got together. And they, they made the cumulative decision to say that the, the season will be canceled or at least, you know, put on halt 
until further notice. And similar to what you said, we knew COVID was a thing. We knew COVID was very important in terms of it's gaining traction. It's getting worse as time has progressed. But to legitimately sit here and say we're canceling a full-on uh, sporting season or putting it on a halt, I keep saying cancel, it, it was nothing short of a shock. Um, obviously, I was more in awe because the Mavs finished out that game overnight and we beat the Nuggets. And for the season to pretty much come to an end right then and there after that game, to, to at that time, we had no idea what was going to happen. We didn't know the bubble was going to exist. We didn't know what was going on. And it was, it's almost like right after that, I got sent home to go to work remote on the 16th. And it's like right after the 11th, everything proceeded to get worse. Like things were shutting down. We were in the middle of the ACC and all the major conference tournaments for college basketball. And everything came to a halt. Everything came to a cease. You know, fans were getting removed from other sporting stadiums. Mm -hmm. Baseball was just about to start. We didn't know what was happening in that aspect as well. It, it was almost like a snowball effect. One thing happened and led to another, and then mm -hmm. COVID progressively got worse. And we know that the country as a whole, if not the world, experienced COVID-19 in full effect. Dude, April hit, and it was like, damn. Or should I say March hit? And then once things started getting canceled at the beginning of April, there was like – Cases were spiking. America was in the, the, the worst state it's ever been in the worst country in the world. You know, we were just cases were just jumping all through the roof. And it man, COVID came and punched this world in the face. And, and this whole world took a big step back. Once sports were pretty much put on hold because everybody was remote. Everybody was kind of stranded in quarantine and there was pretty much nothing to watch in terms of sports. So it was it was kind of crazy man it, it really was a scary time watching that video that espn posted this morning and yep. it was like a six minute video yep it, it was goosebumps it was almost like we were watching uh, a nightmare or, or something that was in a movie but it was actually real and to, to to comment further on it i just want to give my blunt and truth and honest truth rudy gobert rest messed this whole process up rudy, to me rudy gobert for whatever remained in my mind as the guy that that they joked about this and got sick, got his team sick, and then ruined this for the NBA. Obviously, you can't control whether or not you receive the virus, but taking it as lightly as he did, um, you know, coughing and touching the microphone, making the jokes, I, I found that to be very disrespectful. I found it to be, you know, very uncomforting and unsoothing. As a professional athlete, we get it. You feel like you're untouchable. You're at the top of your game in your career. You know, you make a million dollars to dribble a rubber ball. I get it, but, you know, you can't beat science. No matter no matter who you are, COVID was going to affect you. And he ended up getting it, which I thought was karma. Thankfully, he was okay. But he really did ruin the relationship with his team. I'm pretty sure Donovan Mitchell didn't talk to him for about two months during quarantine because he got him sick, Michael Conley, and a list of other NBA players on that team, as well as across the league. You Are you kidding me? Like, you need to use your platform better to take things like this serious. And the way that he joked about it and handled that press conference still leaves me like with my feathers ruffled because I just saw it as a guy that just didn't take anything serious. And, you know, obviously we didn't know the significance of COVID at that very point in time, but for you to go and mock it and, you know, after medical experts have said how serious it was just rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I think that, you know, players like that and athletes like that at, at that point in time were really ignorant. And I think that that really pissed me off personally. Well, I'll tell you this. You mentioned the the ESPN video, that six-minute video that they released today. I think looking back at that situation, it was at that moment where I really thought that not just not just the sports public, but the just the general public at large really started taking 
COVID-19 seriously. Up until then, I don't think that that was the case. Now, I'm not going to excuse what Rudy Gobert did with touching all the microphones and, you know, joking about the whole situation with COVID. It's just that before that time, though, before they ended up postponing the game and subsequently canceling the, the game, I just think that a lot of people had maybe heard about it but didn't know much about it because if you had actually watched the entire video, there was a point where I think one of the referees was talking to Billy Donovan saying, I think, or actually I take that back. I think it was uh, Quinn Snyder. It was the coach of the jazz at the time. I think he said to Billy Donovan that what is COVID-19 or something. Yeah. We, we believe that one of our players may have tested positive for COVID-19 and Billy Donovan said, what's COVID-19. So I think at, the, at that point in time, those guys were so focused on what they were doing with their jobs that COVID-19 wasn't even a thought. And that's why you probably saw Rudy Gobert joking around about it because uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't think he even knew much about it. I don't even know if most of the team knew much about it. They may had heard about it. They may be seen some videos on Twitter about it, but they didn't have the knowledge that we have now or even just a couple weeks after. So I'm not going to crucify Rudy Gobert for what he did. What he did was stupid in hindsight, but at the time, I just think it was a consequence of us as a, as really a public not taking it as seriously as we did after, because really after the whole gamut of games getting postponed and all these sporting leagues crashing to a halt, that's when to me personally, it escalated to a point where, okay, people are really starting to take this seriously. And you got to really take into the social distancing. Everybody stay six feet. But up until then, I don't think that was the case. It's just, I do believe though, we are getting somewhat back to normal. It's been a year. We are slowly getting, I guess, closer to what you would conceive to be normal before COVID-19 was a thing. Still have a ways to go, but I, I will say this just to kind of talk about the sports league and how they've handled the, the whole COVID-19 situation. I think they've handled this as best as they could have. Can you handle this perfectly where nobody gets positive tests? No, it's just, that's impossible. Absolutely not. But the fact that all of these leagues were able to get back into host games again, albeit either with no fans in the stand, no fans in the stands or limited capacity. I think the NFL did a fantastic job with how they handled the COVID situation going into this past season. And I went to the Super Bowl, and mind you, they only had maybe a third of the stadium filled. But I thought the way that they conducted the whole situation and how they had everybody spaced out in the stands, everybody had to wear masks either on the field or in the stands. I think they did as best of a, as good of a job as anybody could really ask them to. The NBA did a fantastic job with the bubble, just with having all of those people centralized in one spot for months on end. And I think they only had maybe a couple, like really like a handful of positive tests while they were in the bubble. And there, mind you, none, they, there was no positive cases. In the it, bubble. It, I mean, if that's the case, that's fantastic. I mean, you had thousands of people on site in one central spot for months and, you have to give them a lot of credit for that. 
So the MLB, they were able to make it work. Granted, they had, I think, maybe like a 50 or 60 a game season. Of, a, couple, a couple of outbreaks, though, in between because of but, player negligence. But players were still on the move at that point. They didn't have a bubble situation like the NBA did. I remember, yeah. I think it was uh, the Miami Marlins. They had some issues with uh, dealing with spread on their team, but they were able to bounce back from it. So it's just, it, it all stems back to this jazz and thunder game where everything at that moment completely flipped and the world was never the same because of it. But I think we are getting slowly getting close to what we could think as normal again. And I think as long as, you know, the vaccine is out there and people have access to it, you know, the closer that we get to it. So hopefully, Hopefully we just get back to a point where I, I want to see fans in the stands where it's not just 50% capacity. I want to see a hundred percent capacity at some point. Obviously we're not at that point yet, but I, I, I really can't wait until, you know, we have full capacity back in the stands because that's what makes these games exciting. That's what makes like our commentary fun to talk about. Like when you see the, the reach that sports has the impact that it has just the entertainment value that these athletes put out day in and day out and the, for the fans not to fully experience that it, it definitely takes away from the game. And I just, I can't wait for the time where everybody could get back where we could all enjoy the sports the way that we did before COVID. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a long time coming. Obviously, like you said, I'm just a reiteration we're getting better. Vaccinations are happening. You know, numbers are going down. Cases are going down. Uh, hopefully the sports world and, you know, excluding sports, you know, hopefully the world can kind of find some form of normalcy throughout this entire process. It's been some time since we've been around big herds and big groups of people, at least for some of us. So others we do know that are still going out there doing what they feel like doing. They're entitled to their own opinion. Uh, nevertheless, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Uh, it, it's, it's whatever, you know, uh, you know, we just we just want to find some form of uh, a common ground for everybody to kind of just get back to where we need to be, kind of get back to being comfortable. And, you know, like you said, get back to those stands being full. I mean, it changes the dynamic of the game to being absolutely silent and echoing to players. They're pretty much just hearing themselves mm-hmm. talk very loud, almost like an empty practice gym as compared as opposed to, you know, fully loaded players, you know, a fully loaded stadium and arenas just, you know, packed to the gill with, with fans going nuts, you know, heckling fans and supportive fans and, you know, just cheering. And it, it really does change the dynamic of a game. And, and, and God willing, you know, with everything going on right now, scientifically, we can get back there, but I know that we still have some time to go. So with the, the limited capacity that we're getting with certain sports, you know, it's showing and trending in the right direction. As long as we continue to adhere to the guidelines and follow all these rules, it's going to get better and it's showing with time with further development of this vaccine and it's just going to improve. And hopefully these sporting games, obviously we're in the middle of uh, the, you know, respective tournaments in the ACC big 12 and whatever have you, but you know, baseball is coming up, you know, the basketball second half of the season's in full swing. You know, we have uh, the NFL God willing coming up again in August and in September. So maybe we can get more fans in the stands and, you know, have some form of normalcy come back, even if it is a little bit, but yeah, it's just, definitely I, needed. I just wanted to hit on uh, on one more point. I think at this point, I imagine these teams are probably having internal discussion, not just in one league. I'm talking about just across all leagues, just across the spectrum. They're probably having internal conversations about 
bring some sort of at least 50 to 75% capacity. I know in some places like Texas, they're talking about 100% capacity in certain sporting venues. Because look, you're talking about a lot of revenue that you're missing out year in, year out. And granted, look, these are billion dollar organizations. They'll be able to get through the pandemic from the beginning to the end. But look, there are some people that work within these organizations, whether it be in the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, or the NHL, where people lose their jobs because they are not, these leagues are not receiving the annual revenue that they're expecting like they did before COVID. I'll tell you this. So just to kind of give you guys an idea of this. So I used to work as a parking attendant a couple of years back at Emily Arena in Tampa. And I I remember there was there's there was talks about the staff in Emily Arena getting cut because of COVID. And I think looking back at this, this was like I mean, we're talking about maybe like 50 to 60, if not more, people getting getting laid off because of just the staff cuts that they had to make because the arena was not receiving the amount of revenue that they're typically getting on an annual basis. I mean, not only that, you got to think of these arenas too. The arenas hold the sports venues or the sporting events, but they hold the concerts, they hold comedy shows. I mean, it affects not, not just the sporting organizations that we love to talk about or the teams and players that we, that we talk about. It, it affects everybody that works at these arenas and I just want to get back to a point, and I, I think we're getting close to that point where we're, we could get back to 100% capacity. Obviously, like Kev mentioned, we're not there yet, and we've got some time to get to that point. But it affects more than just the players and the teams that we see. Obviously, the, these teams need to make the revenue that they need to, to have the people that they have on staff play the pay the play the pay to pay the players the salaries that they deserve and the people that run the, the arenas and people that run the organization internally because there's probably a bevy number of people across all these teams in every sporting league where they got laid off or they got fired because of COVID. So until we get to that point where these teams can hold full capacity in the stadiums or in the arenas. Yeah. A lot of these people that were originally with the organizations, they're either hurting or still hurting from losing their jobs because of COVID. Yeah. COVID, you know, like it seems to be a, a trending topic right now in terms of well, where we're going down the line. I mean, sporting excluded COVID took away a lot of opportunities, a lot of jobs, a lot of, you know, homes and it affected a lot of families. And it's just, it's just absolutely incredible to think like, this all started at least in our heads when the NBA, you know, postponed their season. And as I had stated, when I talked about it a few moments ago, the ball just started rolling from there. And yeah. to think that it's been a year, like already, like, can you believe that 2020 to me, it took a was while a long, it, it was a long year, but like thinking that it's been a year already in the moment, it felt like the year dragged, but right this second, it felt like it flew. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I just can't believe it's been a whole year already, dude. I'm in, I'm in almost disbelief when I got that, when I got that, when I saw that video on Twitter, it was just crazy. I remember from March until about September, it just felt like one long day. Like it just, every day felt the same. It's just, 
a lot of times, like I would pretty much stay at home. I'd go to work, maybe get something to eat and then go home and then just chill at home. And it just, for probably like a four to six month stretch, that's what it felt like every day. And it really did feel like time slowed down. I've never had that before where time really does feel like it slows down just because just the pace that everybody lives at, it's just go, 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 go. But for that four to six month stretch, time was just moving so slow and it was just, it felt so odd. It felt so weird that you just, you couldn't do the things that you were typically accustomed to doing on a day in day out basis. Days truly lagged through. I mean, I, I remember some work days working, like I said, from home and the, 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 those days felt like they took forever. We're talking like at eight to five, you know, sitting in my, in my living room, trying to process and do what I got to do for work. And it was just like, I look at the clock and I'm like, damn, it's only 10 o'clock. I get work done. I'm like, Oh my God. I look at it. It's only 11. Like I feel that like wholeheartedly, like, dude, there were, there were times where that did the quarantine, especially it just dragged and it really took a toll on a lot of people. Yeah. It's just, and it really all started because of one positive COVID test. And that's what, mm-hmm. got, that, that's what got the ball rolling. And it's all it takes. It's just one. It's like that saying goes, it just takes one. The rest is history, man. Oh yeah. Big time. But I mean, excluding all of that, um, that's all I have in terms of content for the day for the topics that we discussed. I know we kind of got a little bit uh, off of on a tangent with the COVID-19 situation, but we just wanted to show you guys, you know, that uh, how it affected us, where our minds were throughout the entire COVID situation and process and kind of where they still are throughout the whole uh, ongoing of this whole pandemic. But we're hoping that everybody's out there staying safe, doing what they need to do to keep their families and their mentals healthy. And, uh, you know, we just, we do appreciate, like we always say, all the support. Please, if you don't already know, follow, like, subscribe, all videos, comments are welcomed. Uh, we always get feedback on certain videos, <laughs> maybe not all positive feedback, like we uh, saw with the Andre Drummond video and some of the Nikola Jokic and MVP videos with uh, Joel. But we honestly welcome and uh, anticipate any and all comments. And we look forward to engaging with our fans and our subscribers anytime we get. I like, I like the comments, man. I like, I like <laughs> Even if they're even if they're not the nicest, I always like it. I always like conversation. So, yeah, don't never hesitate to start up a conversation on any one of our videos. Just because, look, we, we have our opinions, and I imagine everybody else has their own opinion as well. So, it just it kind of goes it kind of goes with the territory, you know. But I know for me personally, I like the conversations because some days I, I, I don't I don't mind them. I don't so, mind them. So, some days I have the time for them. And I have no problem clapping back at anybody who talks out of pocket. That boy said, Casa, you want that smoke club? Get it. The name exactly. of the podcast, we're here for it. This is what we do. Exactly. So, and it's good. I, I always like conversation. I do. Friendly banter. It doesn't hurt anybody. As long as it doesn't get personal or it's about the sport, I don't care what it is. You know, you know we're, 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 in, we're in an industry and a business that is very, uh, it's pretty much open-ended. You think Stephen A. Smith, everybody agrees with what he says? Absolutely not. You think it's all everybody subjective. Yeah, exactly. It's it, We know that things we're going to say, people are going to agree with, and people are going to absolutely disagree with. So we welcome, like, we welcome the challenge. We welcome any any point in conversation, any comment. So just like we always say, just you're more than welcome to say what you got to say, but expect that smoke clap back. Don't, don't be sitting there thinking you're going to get away with it, you know? Exactly. But just to kind of give you guys a sneak peek into next week. So obviously we're going to do our two podcast episodes a week like we always do. But Kevin and I are going to start a new segment 
it will be separate from the podcast. It'll be solely on our YouTube channel at the neighborhood podcast. And the first, the, the new segment is going to be called make your case. So Kevin and I will go over a somewhat either controversial topic or just a topic that Kevin and I agree to. And we'll make our case. Kevin and I may have different opinions on the topic that we choose. It could be something like, like who's the best player in the NBA or who are your top five players in the NBA or who's like the best player in baseball, right? It's just, those are kind of just like really like simple examples, but those will be some of the ideas and topics that we'll go over on the make your case segment that'll be available on the YouTube portion of our podcast. So definitely stay tuned for that. Obviously we got free agency in the NFL to pay attention to probably this weekend. We'll definitely hear more as we hear names either getting released just due to cap casualties or maybe some interest in some teams. They're looking at some of these available free agents. We may go over some NBA content. The second half of the season has started like Kev just mentioned a little bit ago. So if anything pops up from the NBA, we'll go over that. And I mentioned that, we got to talk about baseball at some point, man, because we are getting very close to opening day. It's coming within the next couple of weeks. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk any smack about the Yankees like I did last time. So, no, no, um, no. As long as, as long as you, you know, man, I'm, I'm ready to, man, I'm, I'm so ready for baseball season. I'm so ready for these boys to come into this season. I already got my Yankee jersey on the way. Uh, it's gonna be lit, bro. It's gonna be, it's gonna be lit. Like I'm feeling it. It's gonna be great. Yeah. So. I imagine we'll talk about baseball at some point next week because we, because it's look, it's, it's starting to get close. Spring training is already in full swing and it's sooner or later, it's going to be opening day. And it's going to be a great one. I know. I know. But until then guys, that'll wrap it up from here. I want to thank you guys on my end for supporting the channel or supporting the podcast in any way, shape or form. If you listen to it on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, we definitely appreciate the support. If you're watching on YouTube, definitely appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to watch our videos. I know Kevin and I definitely appreciate it. And definitely stay tuned for the content that we have next week for you guys. Kev, anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, just a quick little announcement. I forgot. Uh, Duke basketball was actually canceled for the ACC tournament. They were removed. I, I, I can't, I'm literally looking at the highlights right now. North Carolina is playing in the ACC tournament against Virginia Tech, and we're winning, thankfully. Uh, absolutely insane. I feel for those boys, obviously big rivalry. Just wanted to show my, you know, sportsmanship. It sucks that they got removed, but in terms of them being safe, thankfully they were removed. The Louisville players were on their way home. Um, they're still contracting contract takes contract contact tracing to see if anybody else was affected. But, you know, the NCAA has done a great job in making sure that the students are coming first and those athletes are taken care of. So, um, that's huge. I've, never would have thought a single team would have been removed. I thought maybe the tournament would have gotten canceled as a whole because you can't control what players come in contact with others. But, you know, like I said, it seems that everybody's in order. Duke, maybe next season, unfortunately, it ain't happening for y'all. But that's it for me, man. I just I just wanted to just get that out there. I totally forgot. That's how it goes. One COVID test, it that's is. all it takes. It is what it is. What did you always used to say? These things happen. Yes, sir. These things happen. <laughs> of course they do. But with that said, you guys, once again, thank you guys for tuning in and supporting the podcast and the channel. 
and we will see you guys later next week. Later, guys. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the WannaBet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.